0: Welcome to the Threat Show, powered by Fletch. Hi, welcome to the Threat Show, powered by Fletch. I'm Darian Kenlin, VP of Technology here at Fletch, and I'm here with my co host each week and every week, Chris Wilder, Research Director and Senior Analyst at Tag Cyber. Hey, Chris, welcome back to another week. Hey, Darian. Good to see you as always. This is a little bit of a bye week for us in terms of guest speakers, but we'll be back next week with more guests lined up, especially for the upcoming RSA show. But this week, let's just get right into it and focus on the interesting threat landscape. Been busy. Definitely busy. So when we look at how things have shaken out this past week compared to last week, we're now up by about six new threats total compared to the ones that we saw from last week. Tons of new activity. Lots of stuff got tracked as emerging this week. Lots of threats were aged out. And so the net was about six, but I don't see this stopping anytime soon. How about you, Chris?
1: No, the one surprise that that I saw over this week and the week before that, I mean, the threats that have turned into actual breaches, hugely high-profile companies, yeah. and the damage that these guys are doing is is so much. You know, a lot of times it used to be you know, I got ransomware and I got hit with a phishing attack, but but man, now it's just these are becoming massive, massive breaches and causing a lot of challenges. And we'll talk about some of those later. But just notice the this, this sophistication, the number, and just the targets that they're able to breach are. It's astonishing to me.
0: Right, let's double click into the, the numbers real quick. We've yeah. got around 41 <clears throat> new emerging threats. And as you mentioned, it seems like the majority of them are all ransomware activity, a major spike in ransomware operations, new tactics, and even leveraging like old tactics, which is I guess not surprising. In terms of actual threats that have gone mainstream, not that many, I mean, we're, we're talking like seven. And then 11 went inactive. So I'd say we're, we're definitely, this is like new territory in terms of the number of emerging that have appeared over the past week.
1: TTPs are changing, the tactics, techniques, and procedures are changing so much, too. Like you said, they're breaking out old tricks to feed new dogs.
0: Right, right. Well, let's get into it. Let's take a look at what made the headlines for this week. We've got two major ransomware operations, a six-year-old vulnerability with Cisco routers attributed to nation-state activity, and then a couple of new Apple zero-day vulnerabilities. So if this is what normal looks like for a given week for an operator, It's going to keep them busy all week long honestly looking at the first one dealing with this new type of ransomware group that hit the scene money ransomware is is certainly new i I think some researchers have been calling it money ransomware some of other researchers have been calling this money message ransomware just because when they leave a demand after encrypting everything on disk, it always ends in the extension dot money or dot message. So in this particular case, they've adopted a double extortion model. And it used to be when ransomware gets deployed on on a system or a set of systems, and then they leave a demand, it's because the attackers hold the private key to be able to encrypt and unlock that data and they didn't actually steal your data they just encrypted it making it impossible for you to access your data that's considered single extortion hey we've got the private key give us money we'll give you back the key to unlock it well double extortion is where they do that and then they steal the data so now they've got a co- their own copy of the data and now it's like pay us once to un- unlock it and then pay us again so that we don't leak this data publicly have double extortion attacks been around for a while now chris i'm trying to
1: yeah they have been typically what we've seen is once you get rid of them they typically don't come back because it's a business and and they'll they, they will come back and they i've always said don't pay it but if you do pay it they keep coming back and back and back but one of the things that a lot of folks say is yeah they, they just encrypted your files and they didn't exfiltrate them and I was talking to Aaron Williams over at Black Fog recently. Mm-hmm. They do a ransomware mitigation and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff that goes along with that. And he said, no, if you if you get ransomware, they will take your data. What they do with it, a lot of times they won't come back and double extort you. But I think because we're seeing people aren't paying the ransomware anymore, mm-hmm. this is where it's this is, we're gonna see this more and more happening with these double extortion ones. Well, we'll just get we'll just put all your data on the dark web. And that's a double nightmare as well. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. weird because we've seen cases where they'll not only steal your data and then sell it to the highest bidder. That's That's yeah. one possible outcome, right? Hold your data hostage so that you can't decrypt the data. That's a second one. The third would be making it public, right? Not just publishing it on the dark web to sell, but like publicly outing all of this sensitive data, which could cause reputational harm to the business. That's like the third possible way that they could extort you. I'm sure they'll get more creative in the future, but basically, you pay at each stage to prevent this from happening. And at that point, it might be better to just invest in proper crisis communication and damage control rather than constantly paying these people.
1: And also invest in having a real backup integrity, right. a backup program. One of the things we also talk about a lot with our clients is kind of almost micro-segmenting their data, meaning use data classification tools like the guys at EnvisionX. They do have a really good one and basically it treats it like almost a military document that, you know, you protect the keys to the kingdom over here and this the ponds can go. And that's more of a policy thing too. I think having a good purge policy is good. A lot of companies don't think about that because they think they have to keep their data forever. But you're right, the more data you have, the bigger target you are. And a lot of times you're too big to understand what's happened before it's too late. Yeah. A lot of good hygiene
0: things people could take. That's a really great point. I mean, a lot of businesses, when they try to quantify the value of their data, they don't think about the Mm -hmm. second order effects of, well, what if all this data were to get stolen? How much harm would that be damaging to the business versus if we just shorten the retention period? There's got to be, I'm pretty sure someone's come up with like a sweet spot model between, okay, how much data do we need to hold to help the business grow versus how much data does it make sense to not hold anymore because it just represents too much of a operational risk if it gets lost yeah. or stolen
1: yeah, right yeah. And that's why healthcare is probably the number one attack vector this is what they want because of that the, that amount of data you know why would a hospital need to have medical records of it that started when the person was two and they're 60 now but those are the kind of retention policies that they have they they keep everything. Yeah.
0: It kind of makes me wonder, like, if you were to adopt a cold storage policy of, okay, any data that's older than, I don't know, three years, just dump it into cold storage, and then it's still accessible. Attackers can still steal it, but it would take them a long time to pull that data back out simply because it's cold, right? Yeah. It's crazy.
1: So I shouldn't take the data and put it in my garage next to a Corvette to- <laughs> or uh, take it to my resort in Florida. <laughs> no, not probably good. not. I
0: <laughs> did <That's not> good. <laughs> so- Probably not. So yeah, moving on, we also saw the Black Cat ALF V or ALF 5. I'm not sure you would say that. Hitting NCR recently, which is basically National Cash Register, I think was the original name. Now they're just known by NCR. Their Aloha restaurant point of sale system was apparently impacted by this outage. And the ransomware group took credit for the breach. And now they're trying to essentially clean up or mitigate the issue as best as possible. So if you're in a small, medium-sized business and you're using this equipment, you might want to check the vendor's website to make sure that there's no other updates that you need to apply to these point-of-sale systems so that they're not fully compromised. NCR really hasn't mentioned much detail about the extent of the breach, but it's better to be safe than sorry when it comes to these sorts of actions.
1: Yeah, this will negatively affect pretty much every restaurant out there because this is the favored POS for pretty much every restaurant bar in the country. little dirty secret about me is i'm a partner in an irish pub here in texas called bd riley's and we use this we use aloha i've already gone in and made sure that we're good but this can affect these guys because a lot of these guys don't even have any clue how to how to keep these things going and if there is if there is something that happens they'll be the last ones to know about it and ncr is is the pos vendor for all of these and they're the biggest arguably the biggest one in the world so this one i think well we'll, there's going to be some legs on this one for a while
0: yeah, if potentially source code got stolen, then the attackers could now potentially start identifying new attack vectors to go after NCR's customers directly, which yeah. adds to this whole complication. And how often do point of sale registers get updated? I mean, it's mm. I mean, for enterprises like You know, the large retailers like Target or Walmart, they probably have pretty good systems to keep all their stuff up to date. But as you mentioned, like small, medium-sized businesses, this isn't something that they even considered having to patch or update. They just plug it in and it works, right? Wouldn't think that a cloud-connected system would, would have this sort of issue
1: so typically when what we did at our pub and then i helped my neighbor down the street at his restaurant we effectively segmented the aloha system from the internet system at the bars just because we put them on their own VLANs. so we just wanted to make sure that there was you know you're not crossing the streams between somebody getting onto your internet because you know, everybody seems to have to have internet out at there at their restaurant a lot of times people use the same router or they'll just use a guest guest network but <laughs> A lot of times, when you're doing things like the uh, the music or Chive TV or some of the entertainment systems within a restaurant, there, a lot of times those are intermingled with the Aloha system. And sure. So, you know, our thing is put VLANs in, separate. I hate to be, use a pun, but put it on its own island. Put Aloha on its island, and then <laughs> put the rest of it. You segment the rest of it out, and that just gives another another layer of security that that I think is is a lot of oftentimes over forgot or just because these people just don't know what that means. And and to, to your point, Darian, the, the target attack actually went through, this is why I recommend this because I was, did the forensics on the target attack. The target attack went through the HVAC system. yeah HVAC system went in directly into the network in the store and that store did that they were all the POS systems were all connected to that same network but then that network was connected back into Minnesota it goes back to the mothership
0: mm-hmm.
1: they were all in the same they 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 were all in the same network so once you got access to one store you got access to all the stores oh and man so that was a nasty one. Um, and one of the big things we did was we just went in there and started tinkering around. We segmented all the HVAC systems off on, on their own and all the POS systems off on their own. So we've made it very distributed.
0: Totally. So, I mean, even small, medium-sized businesses need to be aware of how to do proper yeah. network segmentation for precisely this reason. Yeah. So speaking of network related issues, are Third interesting threat of the week actually is tied to a Russian state-sponsored threat actor, APT-28, as they're well known, or Fancy Bear or Sofacy, otherwise. They were found to be leveraging a six-year-old vulnerability to go after Cisco routers on US and European targets. And The type of malware that the threat group was deploying was called Jaguar Tooth, that's the name that, I guess, uh, CISA, NSA, and NCSC came up with. But honestly, looking at the details of this vulnerability, it's like, hey, you need to have a Cisco iOS router unpatched, connected directly to the internet with the administration interface exposed. And then you have to basically have SNMP responding on that administrator port in order for this device to be vulnerable. And you might think, well, how often does this happen, right? Like most organizations, if they bother investing in Cisco gear, you'd probably want to keep it up to date, right? But I'm curious, with Cisco gear, do you have to have a valid license in order to apply continuous security patches? And if you don't have a valid, like let's say your license expires... Are you not able to patch it anymore? Is that part of the issue here as to why a six-year-old vulnerability is still being leveraged even today?
1: Ironically, you know, typically Cisco ends a life everything between five and six years, <laughs> so, <laughs> and and that's one of the big big challenges a lot of enterprises have when they go off and they're going down and. You know, we call it the Cisco tax because they keep coming back over and over and over again for service and patching and things like that. Uh, not surprising. They are pretty brutal about when they do end-of-life products. And it's hard to get the get them to support it. And they, they don't update any of the drivers. They basically, just put that manual back on the shelf and they go to the next one. And if you can pay for it but it's it's very expensive and, and difficult and we we're talking earlier my neighbor has a very very fine business selling into life Cisco gear and what he does is he does all the maintenance and and keeps them updated so Cisco's a commitment right
0: <laughs> you, you don't just kind of like get a single piece of equipment from Cisco you you have to yeah. go all in apparently
1: <laughs> yeah they're they're good
0: about that fair enough well thankfully the malware that was discovered at least by the UK authorities, is non-persistent. So once the attackers get in, they install a piece of malware to do wholesale data collection. If you power cycle the gear, it's supposed to wipe the malware. But unfortunately, if that's the case in your environment, your Cisco router is still gonna be compromised and they could still get back in. So ultimately, you have basically three options, right? One is turn off SNMP, if you can, on the router itself, which closes the door completely. Yeah. Second option may be to upgrade if you have a valid license for Cisco support. Third is replace it with some other networking device, maybe. So yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty crazy. We've seen other threat groups, especially China-based threat groups, also go after mid-size routers. You know, back then it was Fortinet and SonicWall devices that were compromised before. So this seems to be another page in that existing playbook that the Russian threat groups are taking and trying to go after other equipment that's similarly not been maintained or out of date. So I don't think this is going to be the last of us hearing about small, medium-sized routers getting compromised this way. It's just notoriously difficult to maintain and keep up to date. Yeah,
1: this this will affect a lot of mid-sized companies with branch offices and things like that that can't afford the big nexuses, but they could certainly afford one of these, maybe twelve or so. But yeah, yeah, we won't we won't hear the last of this one.
0: Fair enough. And well, moving on, last but not least, for interesting threats of the week, Apple released two new fixes to the iOS and macOS ecosystems for two known exploited zero-day vulnerabilities. That was part of their rapid release process. One of them pretty. Bad. It essentially allows arbitrary code execution if you happen to install a rogue app either on your iOS device or in some cases Mac OS device, which could cause arbitrary code execution complete with kernel level privileges, which basically means admin level access to the device, which is pretty severe. Is
1: that an app called
0: TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you would go there. Wow, yes.
1: <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> Part of my daily vernacular, that and intelligence breaches. But see, and this is not, not surprising. You know, a lot, a lot of people deny that Apple has any vulnerabilities, but now that we keep seeing these zero-day vulnerabilities in there, it's going to happen. Yeah, so thankfully,
0: yeah. if you've got iOS 16 or Mac OS Ventura, there should be an easy way to update your devices to protect against this. Definitely recommend updating as soon as possible to protect yourself against this. There's already been reports of these vulnerabilities being exploited in the wild, and there's even a proof of concept publicly available. So whatever threat groups were using this vulnerability, chances are there's gonna be probably an explosion of additional cyber criminals, threat groups, all getting on the bandwagon, trying to use these vulnerabilities to go after either targeted or non-targeted victims.
1: I hate to be an old fuddy-duddy, but just get your apps out of the app store. They, they do a pretty good job of you know, scrubbing them and keeping them clean. Yeah, I used to jailbreak my iPhones all the time, and it just there's so much bad stuff out there. Just get your apps at the app Store and you're good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's that's actually a good point. I think if I'm not mistaken, there's been talks about how Apple is forcing official sideloading support with iOS 17. And if that does come to fruition because of all of the EU regulations kind of pushing them in that direction, right? They got dinged by the EU, not supporting the right charger formats, Mm -hmm. where now they've gone USB-C. This is the next thing that supposedly they're pushing for. This could cause problems in the future where users don't realize, oh, the App Store served more than a purpose of just providing a walled garden for Apple's revenue, but it actually provided security protections to prevent against rogue apps, you know, getting loaded on your on your phone. And just look at the Android ecosystem as an example of how that's fared, right? It's kind of night and day compared to the, how much malware is available on iOS versus Android, honestly. Yeah. So, Who knows what the future is going to be if that does come to pass though. So that (laughs) kind of wraps up our threats for the week as closing thoughts here. We definitely want to encourage folks, if you got questions, please reach out to us over Twitter, DM us at The Threat Show. We'd be happy to answer them. Or if you're interested joining us for a discussion about some of these threats, please feel free to let us know. We are taking additional guests as we start tracking more interesting threats for the next set of quarters. Please stay tuned with us when we cover more interesting threats of the week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Darian. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning into The Threat Show. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on YouTube, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and interact with us on Twitter at The Threat Show. Also, be sure to subscribe to Fletch's interactive newsletter and Trending Threats app to go deeper into the stories we discuss and the threat index. Be sure to stay tuned to stay ahead of threats.